There goes half our congregation. Isn't that great? Okay. For our first message today, we have a split sermon from our pastor, Steve Andrews, entitled For Our Admonition. Mr. Andrews. Greetings, brethren. Several years ago, been quite a few now, I think it's been about 10 years, we had the opportunity to take the family to Tennessee for the feast. A lot of things to do in that area. One of the things that was very interesting about Tennessee was the heart of the Civil War. If you're ever in that part of the country, get a chance to go to any of those Civil War memorials, battlegrounds, please do so. One of the things that impressed me, we went to one of the battlegrounds. And I was standing there, there was a cannon on one side, and there's a field and a cannon on the other side. And if you read the inscription, there was a very large battle that went on between the north and the south in that area. And that beautiful field with all the green grass growing, if you've ever been in that part of the area, or that part of the country, get very green grass and very beautiful uh, scenery in that area. <clears throat> Excuse me. My mind got to thinking about all those men, and some of, the, some of those were probably brothers. One on one side, one on the other. And they were raising arms to one another. And they were killing one another. And to me, I, I could just feel the situation and what, what was happening at that time and how devastating it was in this country for brother and families to go to war against their own people. And I got to thinking about currently how that we're wanting to get rid of all of this, wanting to take it down. And I got to thinking, I wouldn't want to change that so that I wouldn't know what happened, what was the situation that went on. I want to know. I want to historically know. If you wipe out history, you're liable to repeat it. And I've even heard people talking about another civil war. Hey, we don't want a civil war. It's enough that we need to talk and, and work things out. But a civil war in this country would be terribly devastating. Well, they were fighting with old cannons and guns that usually would only shoot one shot. Just imagine what it would be like in this country with the kind of armor and stuff that we have. It would be devastating. It is important that we remember our history. We have a Bible, and one-third of it is history. Why is that? Why is one-third of the Bible history? It's because it's important to know the history of, the, uh, of what happened. In 1 Corinthians, the 10th chapter... In 1 Corinthians, the 10th chapter, 
And beginning in verse 1, Paul rehearses Israel's history. History was important. Moreover, brethren, I would not that you should be ignorant how that our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea. And were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea. And did all eat the same spiritual meat. And did all drink the same spiritual drink. For they drink of that spiritual rock that followed them. And that rock was Christ. But with many of them God was not well pleased for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now what if that had not come down through the ages for us to understand that? That had not been written. We would not know that God was displeased with his own children. Verse 6, now these things were for our example to the extent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. And so there's a basis for us to understand that, that, that history is, is giving us information that we need so that we don't repeat. Because if you forget history, you can repeat it and go right back to the same evils that were, uh, that, that were there before. Neither be you idolaters, as were some of them, as it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Neither let us commit fornication, as some of them committed and fell in one day, three and twenty thousand. Neither let us tempt Christ, as some of them also tempted and were destroyed as uh, of serpents. Neither murmur you, as some of them also murmured and were destroyed the destroyer. So we see Paul enumerating all the historical perspective. He was very familiar. And how was he familiar? Because he read it. He, he learned it. He understood it. It came to him that if he didn't expound on it, it would not be uh, something that could be used. So he was expounding these things. He says, now all these things happened unto them for examples, and they are written for today, for our admonition, upon whom the ends of the world are come, or the ages. We are, maybe, in those last days, or our children, or our children's children. What if they forget? What if they forget the history of the United States? because it's all been changed or obliterated. What if we forget the history that God has given us in his word? What if it's destroyed like some nations have wanted to do with this book and not wanted anyone to understand it? To me, it's very important that we understand what has gone in the past and especially understand the truth of the word and our Savior Jesus Christ, and all of those things that are in this book. He says, Wherefore let him that thinketh he stands take heed lest he fall. Well, why is that? Because we have forgot. We have put it under the rug. We don't go back. We don't look. We don't see why we got into that situation. Why we went into a war between the states. It was not very pretty. A lot of men died. There has no temptation taken you, but such is common to man. 
But God is faithful, who will not suffer you but, uh, to be tempted above that you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape, that you may be able to bear it. Wherefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. But that was very profound, because we seem to be living in a society today in which we worship those who do movies. They play act, and they make a lot of money at play acting. And we idolize them. And we even listen to them, what they say, rather than understanding the truth. I've been laying the groundwork for all of the kings, the early kings. I'm not going to go through all of them because that would take a very long time to go through all of them and many, many, uh, many sermons and many different things. But I've been laying the groundwork for those early kings. Samuel, who anointed Saul and David, David and Solomon, and Solomon and then the split of the kingdom. And that's what next week I would like to cover. But today I would like to cover a little bit about Solomon's wisdom and Solomon's, I don't know what you would call it, not so wise things that he did. <laughs> the book of Ecclesiastes is a profoundly interesting and sometimes very disturbing book in the, in the Bible. Because it's, it points to reality. I didn't have this in there, but he starts out with vanity of vanity, says the preacher, vanity. All is vanity. All is futility. How do you start a book telling everybody that it's futile? But he was very wise. God had given them this wisdom so he could look out over things and have this wisdom about life and the reality of life and what life was all about. I have a few verses here beginning in verse 12. I'm going to, I'm going to skip. It's not going to be a split sermon on Ecclesiastes, because I want to cover some other things about Solomon. But when you, you go into the Ecclesiastes and you think about the wisdom that he has laid out in this book and what he did in his life to understand those things, it's, it, it is quite interesting and so profound that God has given him that kind of wisdom. I, the preacher, was king over all, uh, uh, over all Israel in Jerusalem, verse 12. And I gave my heart to seek and search out by wisdom concerning all things that are done under the heaven. This sore tra travail has God given to the sons of man to be exercised therewith. I have seen all the works that are done under the sun, and behold, all is vanity and vexation of spirit. Now see how you could come away from this book and be very depressed if you didn't have all of the word of God to be encouraged. But you could come away, if you just read Ecclesiastes, and man, oh, he sees, he sees the way it, things really are. That which is crooked cannot be made straight, that which is wanting cannot be numbered. 
I can commune with my own heart, saying, Lo, I am come to a great estate, and I have gotten more wisdom than all they that have been before me in Jerusalem. Yea, my heart had great experience of wisdom and knowledge. And I gave my heart to know wisdom and to know madness and folly, and I perceived that this also is vexation of spirit. For in much wisdom is much grief, and he that increases knowledge increases sorrow. In uh, chapter 2, I have a few verses here, because, because of that wisdom, he wanted to reach out. He wanted to know. He wanted to understand all the things that are in the world. So he said, I said in my heart, go to now, and I will prove thee with mirth. Therefore enjoy pleasure, and behold, this also is vanity. I said of laughter, it is mad, and of mirth, what do it? I sought in my heart to give myself unto wine, yet acquainting my heart with wisdom and to lay hold of folly, till I might see what, what, what was that good for the sons of men, which they should do under the heaven of all days of their life. I made me great works, I built my houses, I planted me vineyards. Solomon had money and the ability. I made me gardens and orchards, I planted trees in them, all kinds of fruits. I made me pools of water to water with the wood that brings forth trees. I got me servants and maidens and had servants born in my house. I also had great possessions of great and small cattle above all that were in Jerusalem before me. I gather me also silver and gold and peculiar treasure of the kings and of the provinces. I got me singers and women singers and, and the delights of the sons of men as musical instruments and that of all sorts. So I was great and increased more than all that were before me in Jerusalem and also my wisdom remained in me. And whatsoever my eyes desired, I kept not them uh, from them. I will withheld not my heart from any joy, for my heart rejoiced in all my labor, and this was my portion of my labor. Then I looked on all the works of my hands had wrought, and all the labor that I had labored to do, and behold, after all of that, what was his final idea? It was vexation. It was vanity. And there was no profit in it under the sun. It's interesting. All the things that he could do, nothing made him really, really happy in life. Nothing gave him that kind of joy that we can experience through Christ. But he did have wisdom at the end of Ecclesiastes for all of us. It says in verse 9 of chapter 11, which is the last chapter, Moreover, because the preacher was wise, he still taught the people knowledge, yea, he gave good heed and sought out and set in order many proverbs. And that's what we try to do, isn't it? We try to reach out and give people the understanding of the Word of God, the truth including the book of Proverbs and all that it says in it. And his, and his book of Proverbs 
and the Psalms, and of course all of the New Testament, and all of those things that go together to bring about the wisdom that is written in the book. Because it's, it's ancient wisdom for all of us. The preacher sought to find out acceptable words. That which was written was upright, even words of truth. The words of the wise are as goes and as nails fastened by masters of assemblies which are given from one shepherd. And further by these, my son, be admonished the making of many books. There's no end. Uh, that was written a long time ago. But just imagine how many books there are. And it seems like there's just constantly people writing more and more books. And the, and in the Library of Congress is a huge building with millions of books in there. Millions and probably trillions of words written over the ages. I was thinking this morning, as I was reading that one verse, I was thinking about how that some knowledge had been truly lost because of the fire in the, in the library at, at Alexandria. What would we have, what knowledge would we have received from all of those scrolls and stuff that they had kept in that library that got burnt down? Uh, and there's many conjectures as to who burned it down, but the fact is it got burnt down and all of that, all of that was lost. And much study is a weariness to the flesh. So he gives a conclusion. I thought this was pretty interesting. To hear the conclusion of the whole matter. So he goes through all of this and talks about all of these things. He says, fear God, keep his commandments, for this is the whole, not duty, but the whole man. We understand that. It's the whole person. If you fear God and you keep his commandments, you become a whole person. And if you accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, as your Redeemer, you now really have a grasp on life. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. No one of us is going to get away with even anything secret because God is going to bring it out. It's all going to be judged. And all of the evil that's been done over the over the time period that we have lived in, that I have lived in. I grew up, we just had this business with the Korean War, of a potential for Korean War. That's scary. And I read some of the scenarios. In the 50s, they had jet planes, regular bombs, different things like that. Today, we're talking some very big devastation. Not just to them, but people in Asia, maybe even in America. That is very serious to talk about having a war in the Koreans, Korean area, and especially with North Korea. Um, it's very scary. But all of that, everything, no matter what, historically speaking, it will come down to judgment someday, the good and the evil. Well, let's look now, because it's important to understand that God, even for someone that is, was as wise as Solomon, and he was very wise, he can be deceived. Or he can 
fall into sin, even in his wisdom. First Kings. Oops, I got to go back the other direction. Wrong way. First Kings, the tenth chapter. This is very interesting, very profound. Beginning in verse 14. Now, the weight of the gold that came to Solomon in one year was 603 score and six talents of gold. I don't know what that would be in today's monetary thing, but it would be a bunch of money. Beside that, he had the merchant men and the traffic of the spice merchants and all the kings of Arabia and the governors of the country. King Solomon made 200 targets of beaten gold, 600 shekels of gold went to one target. He made 300 shields of beaten gold, three pound of gold went to one shield, and the king put them in the house of the forest of Lebanon. Moreover, the king made a great throne of ivory and overlaid it with best gold. The throne had six steps. And the top of the throne was round behind, and there were stays on, on either side of the place and the seat. And two lions stood beside the stays. He had a lot of money. He had a lot of, of ability, and he had a lot of servants. And he made it ravishingly beautiful. Twelve lions stood there on the one side and on the other, upon the steps. There was not like made in any kingdom. And all King Solomon drinking vessels were of gold. Gold drinking vessels. <laughs> One cup could be a few thousand dollars today for a gold drinking vessel. And all the vessels of the house of the forest of Lebanon were pure gold. None were silver. It was nothing accounting of in the days of Solomon. Gold was like water everywhere. For the king had at sea a navy of Tarshish. With the navy of Hiram, once in three years came the navy of Tarshish, bringing gold and silver and ivory and apes and peacocks. So King Solomon exceeded in all the kings of the earth for riches and for wisdom. And all the earth sought to Solomon to hear his wisdom, which God had put in his heart. And they brought every man his present, vessels of silver, vessels of gold, and garments and armor and spices, horses and mules, uh, a rate year by year, Solomon gathered together chariots and horsemen. He had 1,400 chariots, 12,000 horsemen, whom he bestowed in the cities for uh, chariots with, with the king at Jerusalem. And the king made silver to be in Jerusalem as stones, and cedars made he to be as sycamore trees that are in the vale for abundance. And Solomon had horses brought out of Egypt, and linen yarn, and the king's merchants received the linen yarn at price. And chariots came up and went out of Egypt for 600 shekels of silver and a horse for, for 150. And so all the kings of the Hittites and the kings of Syria did they bring out by their means. And of course God gave him a great peace during this time, up to this time, and so he became extremely wealthy. Unfortunately, at this juncture in his life, after he had amassed all this wealth, he also had a lot of women. 
King Solomon loved many strange women. Verse chapter 11, verse 1. And of course, this became Solomon's downfall. This became his, a problem for him because he had a, a very large harem. I think it says, like, I think we read it here in a little bit. He had, together with the daughter of Pharaoh, women of the Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Zidonians, and Hittites. So he had all of these nations he had in his harem. Of the nations concerning which the Lord said unto the children of Israel, You shall not go into them, neither shall they come into you, for surely they will turn away your heart after their gods. Solomon cleaved unto these in love. Now we know what kind of. But it was interesting that this was his downfall. This was his weakness. This is where he became. <clears throat> um, this is where God became angry with him. He had 700 wives, princesses, and 300 uh, porcupines, and his wives turned away his heart. Oh, wait a minute, concubines, yeah. <laughs> Almost every time, I, I can't read that word right. I never can read that word right. Anyway, and his wives turned his heart. And, of course, his porcupines did probably too. <laughs> For it came to pass when Solomon was old that his wives turned his heart after other gods. And his heart was not perfect with the Lord his God, as was the heart of David his father. For Solomon went after Ashtaroth, the goddess of the Zidonians, and after Milcom, the abomination of the Ammonites. And Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord, and went not fully after the Lord, as did David his father. Then did Solomon build a high place for Chemosh, the abomination of Moab, and the hill before Jerusalem, and for Molech, the abomination of the children of Ammon. Moloch is where they sacrificed children. So he built a grove so they could sacrifice children. He was ahead of his time. I mean, they didn't abort. They just killed their kids after they had them, thinking that they could just uh, sacrifice uh, satisfy the gods. And likewise did he did all did he for all his strange wives which burnt incense and sacrificed unto their gods. So God turned his back, didn't say anything, right? No. No. And the Lord was angry with Solomon because his heart was turned from the Lord of Israel which had appeared unto him twice. Twice. Once when he prayed the most beautiful and wonderful prayer and asked God for wisdom to lead his children. And he succumbed to the evil by those that were supposedly his wives. I didn't have the rest of this, but I might read just a little bit more here. Because this leads up to my message next week. Because God was so angry with Solomon, so angry with him, that he split the kingdom. And he commanded him concerning this thing that he should not go after other gods, but he kept not 
that which the Lord commanded. Wherefore the Lord said unto Solomon, For as much as this is done of you, and you have not kept my covenant and my statutes which I have commanded you, I will surely rend the kingdom from you and will give it to your servant. And that's for next week as we go through that. There are much things to learn. We can, the word admonition also means, can mean warning. So the things sometimes in the Bible are for a warning. Things that have happened in history are for a warning. Don't go back there. Don't do that again. That was a bloody mess that you got yourself into. So don't go there. Don't do that. And yet, sometimes when we forget history, and we, we don't really know how bad it was, and we kind of bury that, we're tempted to go and become a part of that and forget how bad it really was. So let's heed the warning, and especially for us, let these things be for our admonition.